morning and welcome to Sunday Story Hour, where we share real life stories of how human design has helped people tell a richer, more empowered story of who they really are. I'm Kathy Bashanko, and my guest this week is my dear friend, Nancy Fairchild. Nancy and I were kind of set up. We met each other through training when we both signed up for um, doing the quantum alignment system, which uses EFT tapping with uh, human design, quantum human design. And it goes through um, nine different resiliency keys, which we tapped on together. And that was a huge bonding experience. And I'm sure we'll talk a lot about that. But um, I have actually told the person who set up the whole program and put us together that I would have paid for the program just to become friends with Nancy. So I'm very excited for you guys to meet her. And um, she is a 1-3 emotional generator. And she is just a really neat person with a lot of cool things that she does. And I think you're going to really enjoy hearing her human design story. And I know I'm making her blush. and um, But I am going to just say, Nancy, would you do you feel like you're ready to tell us your story? Thanks, Kathy. Um, yeah, I am. I love telling stories, actually. Um, and I think our little um, beginning where we ping-ponged all over the place actually is a really cool introduction to us because that's kind of how we came together to begin with, right? We right. kind of ping-ponged in our energies until we became familiar with one another. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so. Prior to um, coming into human design, I um, was working as a recovery coach in an agency in the field of addictions and recovery. And um, I was working as a peer and I would meet with people who were questioning whether the lifestyles they had been living was um, a pathway that they wanted to continue. Um, I had just recently moved back to my hometown after being away for five years. Um, and I stumbled upon human design, um, in a point right prior to realizing that I was going to desperately need it. Um, they say human design picks you. Um, and it definitely did at the time when I was ready. Um, right after moving home, uh, about two months into being back in my hometown, my son had a tragic accident and was burned. And, um, it was coupled at about the exact same time that human design had come into my world. And so while I was at the burn recovery center, four hours away from home, I always had human design books with me. I always had human design um, literature, materials, um, quantum alignment system, tapping with Kathy. Um, like this system just rose up like a lotus to pick me up and to grow me and to help me, to, um, you know, to respond as the emotional generator that I am. Um, so it was really perfect and beautiful in the way that it introduced itself to me 
as well as the community that um, I am now in with everybody, quantum alignment, human design, um, whether I've met you personally, whether I've not met you personally. Um, and it's really helped me to define into my differentiation, right? Mm-hmm. And to realize that everything that I have been living outwards towards is in its best alignment for me, even though it's got a lot of pain points. This is exactly what I'm here to do in a tribal way. Okay, yeah. So now who um who did you say introduced human design to you? Do you remember? Or was it just something you found? I don't um I have a tendency to magnetize to me um what is going to show up. Um I um it there was three different people from three different genres that um all said human design in a matter of 12 hours. They weren't mm-hmm directly introducing me or, um, you know, bringing it to my awareness, but they had mentioned it. And in true generator fashion, I responded like, oh, the universe has said human design three different times to me in 12 hours. I must go look this up. Well, one three and you must go look it up, right? (laughs) Yes. Yes. And so the interesting thing was in my phone though, I had Hundreds of bits and pieces of human design and gene keys saved over a course of maybe seven years. Little bits and pieces. You didn't even, you didn't even know what you were saving. It just resonated. Yeah. Just resonated. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. So now by the time I met you, you had already, like you were starting to look at some human design with, um, you'd done some training with um, Katie, right? With Katie, the... um sort of spiritual i always forget her last name um no nope. katie, uh, katie actually came um last for well, me came last. okay see so, yeah. um yeah i had hired a coach um before i uh, immersed myself in human design um i knew instantly as soon as i started looking at it that this was a system that i desired craved and had been trying to create on my own, to be honest, um, with bits and pieces of everything. So that's probably why I had all those bits and pieces with that, you know, one, three, dive deep, have bits and pieces, what works, what doesn't. So I had actually hired a coach um, and had worked a couple months with her and left. Honestly, she was beautiful in what she did. And yet I left more confused than when I had come in because I didn't quite know how to apply the information that I had received. Um, And so that started giving me some ideas about where I wanted to go with it. Yeah. And that, and the first place you went with it was the quantum alignment system or did I miss anything? No, you're correct. I um, started to observe and just like, really start to dive in and investigate and explore all of the energies and how people were presenting and what I was most attracted to and how I learned and what they were presenting over and over and over again. And I kept going back to Karen Curry Parker and quantum alignment system. Um, I really like how she incorporated many 
many pathways into how she taught. And um, that really, really attracted me. And then I just thought, you know what, you're going to end up doing all of it. So just do it to begin with. (laughs) Back when we did it, you could purchase quantum alignment system and it included the same level of quantum human design training. So that's what we did. But now I believe you have to certify, they've changed it to where you have to certify first in quantum human design before you can take quantum alignment system. So if anything seems confusing in what we're talking about, it's because things have changed. But um, so that's how we met. And I um, the, I remember there was a three-day live training before Betsy Batista paired up people. And so both of us had had opportunities to be in the love seat and get tapping done. So we'd been exposed to each other a little bit in the group setting, but we didn't know each other at all. And um, I, I think that, you know, you know, the universe really came together in a way that was very surprising because as great as it is now, the, our first meeting did not go well at all in either of our opinions, right? All right. And- It was such a great learning experience. And so I'm going to let you tell about that story from your perspective, um, if if it feels correct for you to respond to that. And then I'll share a little of my thoughts on it. Sure. Thank you. Um, So it's interesting because I have gate 19, right? And that's about being emotionally present and vulnerable. And so I, I'm speaking a little bit on hindsight to that, um, but the vulnerability that we came together with, which, you know, was through tapping and not knowing one another. Um, Kathy is a self-projected projector and not self-projected. Yeah, that's right. I do. I do. That's okay. I, I, I process very similar to a self-projected projector because of one of my splits, but I just wanted to clear. Sorry. Yes. Thank you. But yeah. And so, um, you know, I had minimal knowledge of the types at that point in time, and I was still very focused on learning about generator energy and very focused on, um, you know, my own energies. And so I had little experience with having someone who needs to sound out some things and as well as a guide. And so um, when Kathy and I would come together, this energy um, of the projector from my side of this, the projector energy would hit me. It would poke me like an auger. And I just was like, whoa, who is this woman? Like, whoa. And to me, because I hadn't um, known enough to invite and recognize, you know, Kathy's intelligence and her great gifts and the things that she was sharing with me because she recognized that I um, needed some help with human design and quantum human alignment because I really, I really was falling behind in our classes due to the trauma of my son. And so I believe that Kathy was really um, being the true projector and guidance that she truly is, and I've come to love, value, and appreciate. And yet, I didn't know that at the time. So it was like, who is this woman? 
why is she like slamming me with all of this stuff? And why won't she let me ever talk? Like, I, I was like getting super frustrated. And so like, at one point, um, you know, generators can become frustrated. And, and if we, it, for me, how it manifests, if I hold back and hold back and hold back, it comes out in a burst of energy. And that's exactly what it did. I just said, hello, I'm done with this. We are not going through for this tapping session. All I'm our time. Yeah. This is all I'm, ever. Yeah. And I'm just going to wait till our mentor shows up because I don't think this is going to get fixed between you and I. And um, intuitively, I knew I still needed to be present, be loving and kind, and still share my voice. Um, because in, in where I met Kathy at, I was still learning how to speak. I was still learning how to use, you know, my defined throat. I was, and, and I had been conditioned to not have a, a, a defined throat. I, 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 I sat in silence for a very long time and it was terrifying for me to even tell Kathy, like, I'm done with this. I can't do this. And so like, that's, that's my remembrance mostly of it. Um, and it ended up being extremely beautiful though. And so I will pass the magic mic to you. Yeah. Yeah. So that first time when we met, um, you know, I was trying to um, find a balance between, okay, I know what we need that I know what we need to get done here. And um, but there was this thing where I, I felt I was trying to draw you out. And in what I felt, I guess I was doing was shutting you down. And this was in the beginning. And we learned so much because um, you know, this was a couple of years ago, you know, and it was really beautiful once we all of a sudden both said, wait a minute, look at this. And I looked at our connection chart and I saw that we have four compromise channels in our connection. Um, I have three channels, my, I only have three channels and the three channels I have all compromise a gate for Nancy. So just energetically, I already make her uncomfortable, me not doing anything. So um, understanding that just the energy of my design can make you feel comp compromise is the best word. Um, you know, that was huge. And then the one channel to your throat I don't have anything in that area. So that was, that felt a certain way to me, you know, and that's that she has the genius to freak channel, right? I have so many genius to freaks in my life. Um, the 2343 is known as the genius to freak because it's either wonderful words of genius wisdom, right? Which Nancy often has, or it's like, where is this freak? coming from, right? So we were able to look at our relationship through the chart and say, oh, look, this stuff isn't personal. And let's really look at how to, um, how to look at the energy in a way that honors who the other person is and doesn't create a story in our mind about what this person is doing to us. And we were able to start doing that in that first 
meeting. We decided not to tap that meeting. We started having this kind of conversation when Nancy said, I'm not comfortable here. And I was like, wow, I had no idea. And then that's when I looked at the chart and I was like, well, of course she's not comfortable. All my energy compromises hers. Mm -hmm. So that, and then that was just a really cool thing to look at and to understand. And um, what is beautiful too, is we have one electromagnetic channel and it is my 13 connects to her gate 33. And that channel is from the, the G center, the identity center to the throat. And it's known as the channel of the prodigal in, in traditional human design. And I'm blanking right now on the name of it in quantum human design, but it's all about storytelling and narrative. And it was really something wonderful because once we changed the narrative that we were telling about each other and ourselves in that situation, everything changed. And it's been such a gift to have Nancy in my life because it so easily, both of us could have just as easily called up, you know, or emailed Betsy and said, whoa, that was horrible. And it's not going to work. But we actually use the tool of human design to understand what we are feeling and process it in a way that really was um, quite incredible. And, you know, Nancy was in such a, I don't know, raw place, I guess, with what was going on. I mean, her, without telling too much, her son's injuries, he burnt his whole foot and couldn't walk. And he had a, he had custody of how old was Oakley at the time? Month, right? How old? He was four months when my son's accident occurred. And at the time he was still very present um, with Oakley's mother. And the trauma of the accident created so much stress within the relationship and having a new baby that, you know, both parents weren't able to maintain that level of relationship and it just basically kind of exploded and blew up. Like it was a new pain point, a new trauma point for all of us in our lives. And it was, you know, it wasn't one trauma of my son being burnt, but it was a blessing, you know, and even if it's a blessing, a change in your life still creates chaos and, you know, a newness that you have to integrate into your world. And so these young adults, you know, they they just had a child um, through C-section and, um, you know, they were managing this and then this other trauma showed up. So I'm all about my tribe. I have right. a wave. So of course, you know, this is my son, my grandson and his family. And, you know, I'm also about women in trauma because that's part of my story. So to support his partner at the time was super important as well. And it, it, yeah, vulnerable is a really, and raw is a really good way to describe Mm -hmm. the first year and a half that we were coming together, you know? And it's funny because my life's work is gate 44 coming to me. Yeah. (laughs) Which is recognizing patterns of the past, right? And you have been doing that, not just with your own immediate tribe, but the generational trauma of not just your family, but even just the area that you're in, right? Um, And can you speak to a little bit about what that is all about? Because that's really 
key to your work and you were talking about some of that. Yeah. So, um, so for the last, okay, so I'm just going to go back for just a minute to make more sense of this. So come this September, September 22nd, I'll be, um, I will have been in recovery for alcoholism, codependency, um, food addiction for the last 23 years. It'll be 23 years in September. And so my story has been unfurling and unraveling and going from one of pain point, you know, um, codependency, addiction into, um, you know, recovery. And then the last couple of years, I would say since human design has, um, you know, joined in on that unraveling in that story, I would say it's gone from, you know, recovery into radiance and really unfurling into the radiance that I am. And, um, you know, this is hindsight and looking backwards, you know, backwards trajectory, but like, wow, my whole incarnation cross speaks of this. My, you know, the, it, it, it's amazing. So like all of a sudden the work that I've been doing, um, you know, six years ago, I was introduced to the concept of becoming a recovery coach and I worked for an agency and it was a beautiful relationship. They became my tribe in a time when I um, had to travel my path alone and separate from some of my family more to find me than anything wrong per se. Um, and in that process of finding me, like, all of this just opened up and I really started to realize the importance of, you know, the storytelling and identifying the patterns of pain and sense, you know, I've always been super sensitive and that's like in my gate 19, right? I'm super sensitive to the emotional needs of my tribes, no matter which tribe I'm in. Cause I'm like, you know, if a puppy whimpers, they're my tribe. And <laughs> um, so like, I'm just, I have this innate ability to be able to sense that within somebody, which really, you know, is a help in the sense of being able to just go right straight to the point. Like, let's just talk about this. And so what I've come to realize in my stories and in my, you know, um, in the translation from pain to power, what I've come to realize for people is that we're really not healing anyone. We're really restoring them to the radiance that they really are by talking about conditioning, removing stigma, removing the stigma of addiction. And, you know, what I don't think some people understand is that addiction works until it doesn't. If you're, if you're in a point of pain that makes you feel like you don't know how to live within the life that you have woken up and found yourself in, addiction works to numb that out because some people may not choose to stay if they're in that pain. And so it works until it doesn't. And I'm really about rechanging and retelling the story about trauma, big trauma, big T trauma, as well mm -hmm. as little T trauma, because it's often a series of little T traumas that leads us into this bigger T trauma, as well as some of us just jump it straight in 
I have seven planets in Scorpio. So I just jumped <laughs> right straight into big old traumas, right? Like, let's get to the gist of this and let's get down to it. Um, and that's a little oversimplified, you know, and, um, but it's true. Like, so for me, this, you know, human design has really, really shown me the beauty of the life path I chose, the beauty of my purpose, you know, um, a lot of people didn't really look at my purpose as a beautiful path, right? Um, but it's turning into such a magnificent, radiant, like, state of being that it, it's it's the lighthouse, right? I think we're just wiping off the lens of the light beam in that lighthouse so that you can actually see the magnificence and the power of that, you know? Yeah. It's a good analogy. So, yeah, and I think that, you know, you having that, um, you know, you got that classic pressure cooker, right? We talked about it last week with Marla. You've got the open root and the open head. And then the only gate you have on your open root or your undefined root, technically open means not no gates, but the undefined root has the hanging gate 19 that you've been talking about, this gate of sensitivity. So every... And the root is, you know, that pressure to do, right? The root is what where we're meant to be grounded, but it's also where we get the pressure to do things. And with all your pressure to do, coming through this lens of sensitivity, you know, it can make you really, like, it almost feels like it could have an open solar plex kind of feel to it. It can make you so sensitive that you avoid, you know, the, the things that, trigger it, I guess is the best word, right? Yeah. What it did for me, to be honest with you. So my gene key, my purpose is 19. And and what that open root really did for me was gave me a sense of pressure to um, really just take care of everybody. Everybody around me, I just felt this pressure to, to care for it, right? And, and, and I I kind of get being guided to talk about the 44 in the open spleen for me as well, because how I think um, it manifested for me was in my open spleen. I always had this sense that I was in je- jeopardy, in danger. I, I always felt that my pure existence was in jeopardy. I was always feeling... And, you know, I was listening to um, some of Ra's material on the open spleen. And one of the things that he said that really made sense to me um, connect. I, I know they don't directly connect in the chart, but I feel like this is part of my pathway to talk about um, my open root and my open spleen and my, my undefined root, my undefined spleen. I um, always had this feeling of um codependency from that 19 and in gene keys it is about codependency and i had this need this pressure in my root to always make sure everybody could exist and if i didn't do something about it we were all doomed and I've always felt that pressure in my life, my whole entire life, up until about two months ago, even. Yeah. So it's funny because some of the pieces of my story, 
which includes my sister passing when I was 10, I really had some trauma that reflected that whole feeling of experience too. Um, If I, you know, so the night that my sister passed, I felt if I had gotten to my mother faster at the age of 10, that maybe she would have been able to live. Open spleen. So like amplified, right? Everything within my pre-sobriety life reflected all these open centers and the pressures to figure it out, answer the questions, get it done and survive. And I cannot even tell you the amount of terror that I couldn't talk about because I didn't understand what that feeling was within me, that I would not be able to exist if I didn't have other people. And there's that codependency of the 19 as well, right? It, Yeah. So, you know, it's beautiful when you can look and see all, all your pain explained in the the shadows of your chart right um but then how do you take that and get out of the shadows how did you take that and not let it be like because you still see people who see that and then they use that as the reason why they're still in the shadows and will never get out of the shadows because i have the 19 and i'm always going to be this way or i'm have this open spleen and you haven't done that you've um you know, really, I've seen you do the work and, you know, it's not always a straight linear path out of the shadows, but you're definitely, you know, it's like that upward spiral. What have you? So, so I call that particularization, to be honest with you. Right. You take everything and you put it out on the table and you see all that. That's one of your words. It is. I've channeled that. I think that's my just a freak um, at work here because I channel a lot and I channel a lot of information that's given to me in the moment. And um, honestly, I think what happens is there's this magic when two people come together. And the magic is being able for me to just look at someone who's in the most painful point in their life. And A, recognize, you know, they're in pain. This is pain. This isn't like behaving this way because they woke up and decided to get out of bed and be like, today, I'm going to create the worst day of my entire life, right? And so taking all those particles and all those pieces and throwing it out on the table, like we, I am a firm believer that we have the right to self-determination. And in when you're in that space, if somebody can just assist you for a brief moment in time to remove it from your external being, put it externally, put it out there, right? Or internal being to your external, be able to look at it as if it's not your own, and then be able to go, wow, this person needs a moment of compassion. Because most most people whether you've traveled the path of trauma, addiction, even people in their most beautiful radiance that doesn't have to travel a path of lower frequency to higher frequency, I don't think compassion is something that we're taught to sit within. 
I don't think that we're taught to sit within compassion and to view ourselves with a moment of compassion. Yeah. Or maybe we're taught, some of us are taught to to sit with compassion for others. Others. Ourselves? No, we're supposed to judge ourselves, right? Correct. Right. Exactly. I mean, not that we are supposed to, but that's kind of how I grew up. It, you know, it, and think it, about what you've done. Yeah. And if you talk, if you talk, like I spend a lot of time talking to people, a lot of time in the five years that I was actively doing recovery coaching for an agency, I rarely talk to anybody about their active addiction ever. I want to know who you are in the most deepest spaces. I want to explore who you are. And if you don't know who you are, let's start getting down to the creation of it. Let's like, that's the fun part, right? And so to answer your question, it's kind of like a visual of a cup. You've got this cup. And usually when you meet somebody in the field, their cup's water is pretty murky. It's pretty murky. And so we just start adding a little bit more clear water to it, a little more clear water to it and affirming and affirming and affirming, go out and integrate. And that helps someone, you know, really admit to their innermost self that there's something worth connecting to other than what we have been connecting to. Yeah. And that's where the use of, you know, the chakras come in for me. And that's where teaching and education and sitting and, you know, like our conversation started having fun with the errors. You know, that was funny. It was a lot of fun to hear us ping-ponging. It's like the whole, you know, sound acoustics to particularization. Ping, 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 ping. You know, It's, it's taking particles and making them concentrated into solidified form. And that's right. what you get to do. Yeah. Yeah. I was, you know, I, and I've just realized, like, as far as you're talking about the the error at the beginning, which if I'm, if you're watching this later on YouTube, I will probably cut that off, but. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's okay. But no matter how many times I say, okay, this is what I got to do. I got to do this. Da, da, da. When I go to do it, I, You'd think I was a manifesting generator or something because I always skip a step and then one thing goes wrong or something or something I didn't think of, but whatever, it's all good. But, okay, so, you know, you've really been working with, um, you know, you've been working with trauma for many years now. How long have you been in this whole? um, Well, I've been living with it for 52 years. Um, and on a professional level as a recovery coach, as well as going back to school and obtaining my KSAC, um, education to sit for my, you know, licensing. Um, it's been seven years now, um, on a professional level. And the reason I bring that up is, you know, in the process of understanding your design and then the work you do with others. Um, I think a lot of what you're doing now is so beautiful and you're using human design to help people rewrite their, um, and re, what did you say? Re redefining the stigma of trauma Mm -hmm. and 
Um, if you can talk a little bit about how you use human design in your process for that now. Sure. Um, so I'm yet again going to use just my own personal chart just to, you know, keep it. Um, so when I, when I'm working with an individual, um, you know, the first thing is, is that I use my own human design chart initially because storytelling is part of that identification, right? And if somebody can identify with you and you find what you have in common, that person will start to open up and trust you. And so for me, um, I think it's a blessing because I have, you know, I have the defined sacral, I have the defined emotional solar plexus. And so I can immediately feel where somebody's at and where I can go and talk, you know, talk to them at. And I'm going to go to the most extreme case here and it may be a little uncomfortable, but really what I feel like I'm doing is helping individuals, no matter where they're at on the spectrum of communication. I feel like I'm normalizing these conversations that are often, um, you know, in the dark. We don't want to talk about these things. They're uncomfortable. They're painful. And yet, um, you know, the message of recovery is that you take your most god-awful pain thing that you don't want to talk about, and you put that out there first. Because from that point forward, it only gets better. Because you've already disclosed all that stuff, and and you back on a projection in in a spectrum towards your radiance again, right? And so that's what I often do with with people is um, I introduce them to the concept of pain first. That if you can sit here first, you can sit anywhere because the rest gets easier. And and, and instilling hope in somebody. You know, and that doesn't have to be around addiction because most people don't get into addiction because they start with a, uh, a person, place, or thing to, to give their power away to. Most people start because they have trauma, pain, and places that they just can't share or connect with other people because that's the nature of trauma, right? That's the nature of shame is to isolate and, and, and take you away from your innate radiance. And so um, my quest has been to help change the whole concept of what addiction even is, Um, because that's not what I focus on. I really use human design to show where their gifts are, like help them remember, you know, I want you to remember who you are. Right. And get back to the right of self-determining who you are, because this is who we are, creative beings with the power to just flip from the dark to the light when it's it's amazing to me. It's so beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I want to um, make sure we touch on, too, is when you're um, we were talking one day and you were telling me of how... Um, when you're working with clients and um, just friends in general, you consider you've started to refer to yourself as the human design gatekeeper and yep. not in the way people like in a real life way, not as in 
you know, sometimes gatekeeper can be used as negative, but like basically you're holding the gate open and letting them just kind of walk in uh, how they want. But explain what you meant by that, because I thought it was beautiful. Thank you. Um, so one of my original understandings of the gate 44 was the gatekeeper, like that we um, are kind of like a salesman almost. Um, we are the first thing that you see. So like when you see me, I, you know, I want it to be warm and enveloping and welcoming. Like, hey, here's a pot of soup cooking. Take your shoes off. Come on in and sit down. How can I help you? You know, and I really feel like that's one of the rules of that gate 44 is quieting the fears, right, of the past and and being able to hold that door open and be a warm invite into where I would like you to be able to at least get a glimpse of and make a self, you know, determined decision whether you'd like to continue on the journey. Now, there may be other people that are way better at um, helping you uh, learn, digest, incorporate, and integrate your design charts with you. And I'll share with you, it's funny because when we first met, I was always blown away. I was always like a dollar late, day short because I had all these other um, obligations and choices I had made to you know, be present for my son and our family. And, um, and yet I still had this need to be present within quantum alignment and I would show up and you and I would be sitting there. Right. And you would be talking to me in such elevated ways. Like you're getting it, you're getting it, you're getting it. And I'm over here like Cass, um, I'm still at the gate. I'm still over here at the gate and you're so far in the pastures, like watching how to sheep herd and do all the things that, you know, I would desire to do, but I can't be there. And at first it would come up for me as like, geez, you know, I'm really, um, I'm falling behind. And then one day I was sitting in that 44 and all of a sudden it dawned on me, I was in perfect, perfect alignment with that gate for me. I am meant to hold the door open for people. I am meant at a very basic fundamental level to like make the gate look like someplace, not make it because it's out of integrity or authenticity, but because that's the beauty of it, right? Here's the whole package. And I see things in um, the right side of my brain all the time and big, I can see that overall ego's view all the time. And so like, I'm more than happy to collaborate with people and say, okay, here's the big package. And yeah, I think this person is way better at helping you. May I introduce you? And then you guys can take it from there, right? Like I'm here to be the gatekeeper, um, not only between like human design, but dimensions, worlds. And and that's funny because, you know, I was thinking about this and that's also um, 19, like parts of gate 19 and the gene keys. It's being able to connect to the multidimensional worlds, you know? Mm. And when I was younger, when all this trauma was occurring, I would leave my childhood home and go out in nature and connect with the fairies and be like, I wonder what this tree feels like being green. 
And, and I mean, that's the beauty, you know, that's the purpose that was in my purpose to even go out and sit in these trees and be like, I'm going to be green today and connect with a new dimension. And so I feel like that's the purpose of my gatekeeping too, is, Hey, there's so many more dimensions than what we're seeing at the moment. Like, Mm -hmm. let me introduce you. Come on in for a minute. See, and how I think of it, you know, just knowing you and knowing you're nurturing in your, you haven't even mentioned your gate 50, which is the cauldron, which is, I think that's where your soup comes from. Gate 44 is the rest of it, but the soup's in gate 50. Uh, You know, and you have that whole, like, for those of you who don't know, at the, from the spleen over to the sacral and then back to the solar plexus, there's four gates that make up that defense circuit. And Nancy has three of them. So... She's very tribal defense, right? So, um, but so I see you as, you know, it's a wild, crazy world out there and people are getting knocked around by the wind or whatever. And you're there holding the door open and just telling people it's safe to come inside. Mm-hmm. And you're getting them out of that place of fear of like, no, I know the dangers out here. I'm afraid to go in there. And they're afraid to do the work and you get them to where they're like, no, it's safe. Come inside the gate. And then there are people inside the gate that can help you. And you definitely help them. And I think you minimize how much you know you're uh, in to some degree. Um, but I do think there's something to be said with, you know, you know, you can be a great doctor, but no, you're not, a you know, you don't ever want to be a brain surgeon, right? So, you know, there's different degrees and you, and you're going to work on the things that you your sacral says yes to you, right? And um, if I can take just a second, I want to circle back around. No, I'm doing the manifesting generator thing. I'm going to circle back around <laughs> for a second. Um, one of the, I, and I'm going to do this in typical fashion, like a, a quick short story. When I was in trauma as a younger child, um, one of the things that I often saw was to go outside the ex- from internal to external. And there's that codependence piece, right? That we go, we seek to go escape and go outside of ourselves and give our power outside. As a child, I would leave the home and leave my internal being and escape and detach and go outside. And so I always sought to go outside of the gate because the, the, the fear and the pain was inside the gate for me at that time. And so yeah. the funny thing is, yeah. The funny thing as life, you know, takes us along the path, um, we had some family trauma occur later on in my life after I had gotten into recovery and was pretty stable in my recovery. I was about six, seven years into it. And something happened within my birth family's uh, structures that oddly enough removed my ability to, to skirt outside the gates. And forced me to go back internal into my own gates. And that, I believe, is when my, really, when human design started being introduced to me, even though I didn't consciously know it, because all of these little tidbits that I had been saving was to figure out how to save myself internally, an internal locus, where before, you know, my sense of a compass was external up until this point in my life. And then this, this situation forced me to come back home inside, find my own locus of control, 
And to be like this being that I had never been before. And I was like, oh man, I don't even know how to do this. Like, what is all this stuff? And I think that's the importance of where human design comes in. Because no matter, like if you're coming back in the gate, like internally, and you've not been there very often, like the power of differentiating yourself and finding you that's the importance, right? That's the pieces that we talk about. And so whether I'm referring to somebody or I just stay present while you go internal, that that's an interesting gate to hold too. Yeah. So lots of ways gates work for internal and external locus of controls, right? We're talking about, now we're talking about like physical gates, not planetary gates. <laughs> Maybe we, yeah, I mean, like there's so much right? not too confusing. The door, hold the door open because the gate, now I was like gate 44 and then the code. Yeah. You know what I mean? But that's really, and I I notice a lot of people, and this is totally understandable when you're newly um, in recovery, part of that is, you know, a real needing to really separate you from the people who have hurt you in the past and the people who are still not in recovery and needing to have like really strong boundaries. But then there comes a time, correct me if this is not true, because you're the expert, but I believe that there comes a time where when you're truly healed in who you are, you can be present for people who are still not healed and it not take you down. Yes, and. Okay. Yes, and. So one of the very first things that I learned within the first two weeks of my recovery was from an old timer in, you know, the self-help program of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I had all of these things that I trusted in this person and was telling them all the reasons why I drank, right? All the reasons why I needed alcohol to numb myself out. And that woman just looked at me with pure compassion as well as a strength in her that terrified me. And she said, that's all bull crap, Nancy. I am going to invite you to become aware that you can get and remain sober despite any condition you come up against because that's what you need to know. Otherwise, you're going to go back and give all these reasons why you're drinking. You drink because you're an alcoholic. You have you know, you have an obsession in the mind and you have an allergy in the body and you do it because you like it. And unless you have a different experience, you're going to die from this. And that's what she told me, Kat. And mm-hmm. so for me, I, I tell people that, yes, obviously, if you are directly in harm's way, we got to get you out of there. And yet, yes, yes, let's get you out of here. And You're going to be able to do this no matter what comes your way. Because the empowerment starts at the moment that somebody realizes this isn't working for me anymore. Yeah. And so it's like filling that that cup of water with a little bit until it starts to overflow. And eventually the overflow is crystal clear. And, And it's building that confidence within the internal self that you've got this no matter what. And if you start adding human design into that and showing them why they've got their own life and why they're different, 
and why they've got that path and nobody else gets that path but them, there's yeah. magic. There's magic. Yeah. There's yeah. magic. So, okay, I want to interrupt for one second okay. and just say, I've I'm got about independence because I'm passionate. No, no, that's good. I love your passion. We've got about eight minutes left. So, if anybody is watching that wants to ask any questions, please put them in the, um, in the comments and I will bring them up so far. The only comment we've had was early on. Monica said all that Scorpio energy attracts psychological avenues, sun, moon, Venus, and Jupiter. Um, I think she was looking at your chart maybe when she was saying all that, but you've got even more than that. Seven, you said seven planets. Um, okay. So, but let's go, um, back to, you know, the whole codependency um, thing you were talking about, independency or whatever. And when you're, um, you've mentioned, you've talked about gate 19 and gate 44 um, quite a bit. Are there any other things you look at in the chart when you're um, looking at like codependency or addictive behaviors that, you know, I don't want to say, say you're going to have these things, but are very often the shadow manifestation of those areas um, result in that sort of behavior? Well, it's interesting because um, I've been doing a lot of research into this um, lately. And, um, you know, I would have to say the open spleen is definitely, you know, a space to really look at because they say that a lot of addiction is inferiority complex wrapped around with a superiority complex and you know yeah and so that's like perfectly lower energy of all of all of the gates to the highest energy of all the gates as well as you know the reactive and um you know energies of it all so it's kind of funny there's a spectrum that i i i would look at and yeah. so when i look at all of the gates, I'm going to look at the behaviors of the individual. We're going to look if it's manifesting as reactivity. We're going to look at it as if it's um, an undefined or a defined center or purely open. And we're going to look to see how the magic in their chart differentiates the ism parts. You know, I seek, you know, misery or I seek miracles kind of thing in their recovery or within their addiction, because that's going to help. Like, I think all of it is the answer. And yet particularizing down into how it manifests is another way of looking at it. So it's kind of, that's kind of a tricky. Yeah. Question. Yeah. I do think sometimes, you know, people get caught up and they say, well, you know, of course he's got, you know, he's got this gate, he's going to wind up with this or that, you know, and there is, you know, we, you know, some, a lot of people in traditional human design talk about no choice. And I, we always have a choice, mm -hmm. right? Um, and now if we are making choices according to our strategy and authority, we're going to draw the right things to us. And maybe, you know, you can, and I can understand the idea that we might not have a choice in what our best life is ultimately meant to be, because if we're really following our strategy and authority, our body is, and there is no mind choice. Our body's making the choice, but we always have the ability to override that. So, you know, to, 
you know, I do think that it's tricky to say there's no choice because that feels like victimhood. Mm -hmm. So imagine having an open head sender and you have an obsession of the mind. Now imagine had I been a child and we were blessed to have human design at that point and someone within my world had said, Nancy, you know, let's connect you into that gut feeling because I always had stomach aches. I always had stomach aches as a child, right? So I have this blocked energy and imagine somebody had said, check in with your sacral and I won't call it a sacrum. I'm just playing with it. <laughs> but, you know, imagine if somebody had called, you know, and taught me like, hey, you know, use your sacral and, and make a decision. I'm pretty sure the decisions would have been a lot different. And and don't make the decision right now. Wait until you're clear where you have that emotional clarity, right? Yeah. 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 So listen, we're um, about at the end here, and I don't see any questions on here, but I want to make sure to allow enough time. Um, first of all, I want to um, thank you, Nancy, but I do want to also see um, if you have... Um, anything you want to say in closing, and then maybe just let people know how they can connect with you if they're interested in finding out more about what you do, that sort of thing. Thanks. Um, I want to thank you for inviting me um, and helping me to show up and be a little more present. Um, And I appreciate that. Um, I just really want to say, like in closing, if you're struggling with something, even if it's not of a substance nature or, you know, reach out to somebody, um, multiply the blessings, divide the sorrows. Like we, we get better this way, no matter what, what our path is. Right. And, um, hold the gate open, hold the gate open for someone. You just don't know, you know, um, this may not be the popular way of getting a hold of people like in a professional sense, but I prefer one six zero seven two five nine nine one six nine because I really like people texting me and saying, hey, this is how I met you. Could we connect up? I really like it to be about personal connection right from the very beginning. And I hold the door open through my phone. So um, that's really what works best for me. Um, and then we can go from there and create what's, what works best for both of us. Okay. Thanks, Nancy. So when um, afterwards, maybe just in the comments, leave that information for people as well. Okay. Yep. But I want to thank you again. And I want to thank everybody who's joined us here, um, whether it's live or in the replays or later on when we post this on YouTube. Um, but every week we're sharing the stories of how human design has changed someone's personal narrative and how you speak about yourself matters. So are you ready to rewrite your personal story? If you would like to work with me, you can DM me or you can set up a free discovery call at kathybashanko.com. And that's just uh, my name, as you can see anywhere this is posted, my name will be spelled there for you. But I want everybody to have a great day and um, I hope I'll see you in the Intuitive Human Design Group in Sunday Story Hour next week. Thanks again, Nancy, and thanks to everybody who um, has joined us. 